God hates pigs. That's the that's the whole point. <laughs> He's going to send back his greatest prophet to kill all the pigs because apparently they're just that wrong. Hello, I am your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Combinations and Permutations, episode 56, brought to you by acmescience.com. On today's episode, I'm joined by Anthony Solari and Stephen Fisher to talk about a subject that we know way, way, way too much about. Graduate studies in mathematics. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations. The best mathematical podcast that is not the Math Factor, Travels in a Mathematical World, uh, the History of Maths podcast, Math Math, Strongly Connected Components, Math for Primates, or Mrs. Stevens' third grade mathematics podcast. How many of those do you do? I heard at least one. <laughs> I heard at least two. I heard, two uh, of them. There are two, two of, of them. Two of them that are mine. So on the show uh, with me today is seminary boy himself, Anthony Solari. Uh, I've been re-delegated from mathematics to seminary. And showing up on his second consecutive and still only his second podcast, Mr. Stephen the Fish Fisher. Yay! Oh, I guess. That's a, <laughs> one man audience. <laughs> wow, you not, guys not too spiked much the hell out of my levels there. <laughs> not too much enthusiasm. Just yay. There we go. That <laughs> that right there is the, is the level of enthusiasm we aim for here <laughs> on the 10th best mathematical podcast on the internet. <laughs> that's right, 10th best. 10th yeah, best. Yeah. No, I'm not. Behind two of your own, though. Yeah, well, yeah, but this is still my favorite. Oh, yeah. That's the only one I get to be on. <laughs> but, but admittedly, it is not the one that is sending me over to England in, like, two weeks. And oh, yeah. in honor of that, I'm going to play the newest promo that I made for the live recording at the University of Greenwich on November 17th. Because, well, you just need to know more about it. In the not-too-distant future, mankind walks along the edge of ruin. Having long forsaken academic impulse, people have become completely reliant on machines for all their mathematical needs, and one man plans to make them all pay. But there is still hope, for within a single person lies the seed of heroism, a person who calls themselves Maths. Raised in the wilderness by the secret tenure monks, will this savior complete his training in time to rescue humanity, or will it be crushed under the boot heels of the mysterious villain? All of this and more will be revealed at the live entertainment event of the fall. Peter Rowlett plays Maths, and Samuel Hansen, the brutish scoundrel Math, in Math Maths Live, one day only. At the University of Greenwich, Queen Anne, 180, 1 p.m., November the 17th. Even better than the last one, wasn't it, guys? Oh, most no. definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, no, for this, I'm going for a higher level enthusiasm. More, yeah. 
is like an emergency broadcast system. <laughs> you know, I mean, it sounded like a pretty constant tone, but if you look at the waveform, it is really bobbing and weaving there. Hmm. Okay, uh, so here on combinations and permutations, what we do is we take some sort of mathematical topic, and then we talk about it. Sometimes. Well, I mean... Lately we, we have been. We aim to talk about it. Yeah, lately we've actually been we, staying on topic. A lot of the times we fail to talk about the topic, but I mean, what we're doing is... What I'm doing here, and this is something you could, uh, you could find out more about by going to the Early Mathematicians, uh, Early Mathematicians Conference from the Institute for Mathematics and its Applications... In London on November the 20th, I believe, uh, and listen to me and Peter talk about podcasting, uh, what I'm doing here is I'm facilitating a discussion. Whether or not that discussion stays on topic doesn't matter as long as I get you fucking numbskulls actually talking about something. (laughs) <laughs> okay, and on that, I'm going to facilitate a discussion a about a topic that is very, very close to my spleen. Uh, spleen is where the humors come from, right? Sure. sure. Okay. We're going to say spleen is where your humors come from. And this, in this case, this is my vicious, I fucking hate things humor. That's right. We're going to spend the next however long... Until we run out of breath complaining about it. May need more food and drinks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mathematical grad school. Grad school in <laughs> mathematics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my brain hurts. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, as I said, we're going to do a lot of complaining. And I want, to put, I want to put a little disclaimer in here at the beginning of the show. This is it by no means saying that if you really like mathematics, you should not go to grad school. <laughs> what I usually tell it's people... A, it's what... You, if you want to keep liking mathematics, you shouldn't go to grad school. <laughs> what, yeah, what I tell people, you know, if they ask me, should I go to grad school? Should I be a math major? And I always tell them, only if I can't convince you otherwise. <laughs> you have to be that sure you want to do it before you should do it. Now, I mean, we're, sure. we're all qualified to talk about this topic. Because we are all graduate students. And honestly, no one here is more qualified to talk about this topic than Anthony Solari. That's because I've been in grad school the longest. Well, <laughs> you have been in grad school for physics. Yes. You have done uh, graduate work at seminary. Yes. And you are now in grad school for mathematics and have passed it's my your qualifiers. Second PhD second, program. Second in math. math PhD program. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, you weren't in physics. I always think that you were... Did you do any graduate work in physics? I, always I did think a year did. and a half. Okay, so you did do graduate work in physics. Yeah, and, I, and you have a master's degree in seminary and, and in math. mathematics. Yes. Okay. Now, Steve and I now uh, have to feel slightly stupid because uh, we're both in, what, our last years of getting our master's now? Oh, hopefully. Well, <laughs> I'm in my last year of getting my master's. Steve might be going into his 35th year of getting his master's degree. Yeah, but I, I see He was the... here when I got here. He's going to be here when I leave. Oh, probably. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, okay, away. and so let's, let's give a little bit of... A, a little bit of an overview of what graduate school is. Because I, I, know, I, know we have, I know we have some uh, PhDs and people like that listening. You've already been through this. I'm sorry for bringing up all of these terrible <laughs> memories, memories for you. 
Uh, but if you just stick with us, I'm sure we'll make some jokes. Yeah, there's I probably think- some people in grad school right now. Don't worry, we commiserate with you. And then there's probably a bunch of people looking to either become math majors or who are math majors. And as I said, this is not meant necessarily to discourage you, but more to inform you in what graduate school actually is. So, I mean, we, we've all had different experiences. Uh, Stephen, Stephen and I's will be the closest uh, experiences to each other since we've only been yeah. in one school. I'll be but, the odd one out. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, graduate school, I'm more interested in kind of comparing it to with undergraduate. So, like, say, Steve... Uh, what sort of what was the first thing you noticed that was different about graduate school than about being an undergrad? Hmm. hmm. Besides having to repeat a lot of the same courses. Oh yeah, that was the first. Thing <laughs> oh yeah, uh, we should. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Other than that, we'll get into that when we hit the complaining part of this. Oh, okay. That's right. We're not complaining yet. That, that, but they do that all throughout your high school career. Oh, yeah. you, you do it, you, you do repeat, it again, you do it again, I repeated the again. same history class like second through 10th grade. Yeah, and you just add a little bit of detail each time. Yeah, uh, but the, some of the difference, and as I said, we'll, we'll get into some of the repeating and how it's not quite the same, but what was the first difference that you felt? Um, the amount of work was significantly more, especially if you were taking the combined courses. Oh, really? I know oh, it's supposed to be. It, it's <laughs> supposed to be more. It was it's never more. I never had to do anything extra. I think, yeah. I think the work... Per- oh, oh, we should say combined class means a, f- a cross-listed class. Mm. Uh, so it's both a undergraduate course and a beginning graduate course. So yeah. a 400-level course or a 600-level course. Mm. Uh, yeah, but I, f- I felt that the work per class was actually... I mean, while the work per class might be more... As an undergraduate, I was taking about 18 credits a semester. And as a graduate student, the most I ever took was half that. Yeah, and you do take, you a, do take a lot a lot fewer courses. Yeah. Like two or three uh, per semester. That's also usually because you're there on assistantship, which means that you're grading and you or you're leading a discussion group or you're teaching. And so that's where your other classes Yeah, that's where your other classes form. go to. So it's like... The actual school, the actual amount of work you do for your degree, at least until you get to the research part, is probably less. But well, it, except, except, and this this goes into the first difference that I noticed, mm-hmm. and that is how stifled you are in the classes that you can take. I my favorite thing, like I didn't realize that this was my favorite thing when I was an undergraduate student, but I, within about two weeks of being a graduate student, figured it out was that I was not in only math courses when I was an undergrad. Mm. I, I mean, I was a humanities minor. I took, you know, classes on literature and poetry and the influence, or uh, food and life. And so, I mean, I was taking all yeah. these other courses that I found to be hugely fun that all of a sudden I didn't have that kind of creative otherness outlet. I'm just mm. stuck in these math courses and only doing math. And honestly, I'm taking probably as many math courses now per semester as I took math courses as, as, an, as undergrad. an undergrad. But you don't get all the variety. Yeah, I don't. I the guess other classes I, were not math classes. Yeah. They were other classes. I guess. So mine's the opposite. Really? I'm taking, I, my last two years, I was taking about four math classes a semester. Now I'm down to two. Okay, I mean, I, I definitely had a couple semesters where I took 
like four courses, but I still had one or two other courses. And even just one course, course on creative writing yeah. or political science or uh, the history, uh, political history of Latin America, it, just one of those other courses really goes a long way to balancing out your humors. Yeah. yeah. And not making you want to strangle every single person that you see. And oh. also you get to interact with a lot of people from outside your department. Well, yeah. Now, it helps significantly, especially yeah. informing these committees. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> there uh, we'll, is that. And we'll get to that when we start talking about thesis, but dissertation, and committees. More creative ideas, the yep. wider source of... More creative ideas. And also, uh, well, I mean, I like the people that I have on my podcast. I especially really like the two of you because you actually have expanded interests outside of mathematics. But there's a lot of mathematicians. There's a lot of people that I just I can't deal with on an everyday basis because all they I mean, are, are is, is math. math. Mm, it's just like, okay. I can't deal with that. I cannot deal with being at a party where someone actually thinks that bringing up the axiom of choice is a tolerable bit of dinner conversation. I guess that sounds I should like leave something now. either me or Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should avoid that from now on. <laughs> it's not I, tolerable? Well, <laughs> it's, it's not tolerable if you just bring it up. If it's part of the conversation that's already ongoing, mm. but if there's another conversation that's ongoing and that's your lead-in, no, oh, that is yeah. not a tolerable bit of conversation, especially if there's non-mathematicians there. Well, yeah, then, oh, it, okay. then it goes from being okay to being just wrong. Yeah, well, sure. it, goes, it goes from being, dear Lord, why is someone talking about this, to seriously, look at that person. They have just gone to sleep. <laughs> And, and to me, I mean, that's that's the part that I mean, mostly I want to complain about is this kind of this lack of interdisciplinarity, this lack of talking to people from I other think, departments. I think that's a problem with the U.S. system in general. Oh, it's a it's a problem oh, with Western 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 Europe well, too. I, I I actually I was in London for a while when I was a missionary, and one of the things seminary I was seminary boy, seminary boy. Okay, so one of the things I was thinking of doing was uh, going to Cambridge because I had a lot of number theorists out there. And so, of course, I walk on campus. Where's your math department? Where's my what? Where's your, your math department? Where are all the math, mathematicians hang out? Some of them hang out in this building. Some of them hang out in that. They, you know, but they, yeah, don't, but they don't separate that's them. that's Cambridge. Okay. Yeah, Cambridge and Oxford is a little bit different. It's, it would kind of be like saying the same thing at Princeton. I, there are universities where everyone, you know, kind of goes out, and they're usually really famous universities that say have high tea. Uh, that would be nice. Well, so what's wrong with bringing it? To oh, every I other don't. College, no, I don't. I like that idea. I think yeah. that the graduate colleges need to become more integrated. Yeah. Or specifically I'm, the mathematics one, which tends to be the most ivory tower or, of the ivory yeah. towers. And we definitely need to talk to other people just to get applied ideas, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, and we need to talk to English people and political people so that we know what the hell's going on in the world and in culture, which is not yeah. something that a lot of us know. Mm. Okay, so, I mean, that's, that's, my, that's my hobby horse. That's one reason why I will not, after, after I'm done with my master's this year, I will not be uh, pursuing a PhD in mathematics. Well, is, is I... primarily because of the lack of dealing with other people, it's, as well as being slightly burnt out. Yeah. But I very, it's very possible that I will be pursuing a PhD in, in an interdisciplinary uh, program that allows me to still do mathematics, mm-hmm. but in the situation where I'm dealing with a lot of other people, which sounds like what I expected graduate school to be. 
Yeah, like, but, I expected yeah. there to be, you know, a a lot of graduate, you know, college functions or something that really bring people together and people just, you know, kind of hang out. And there's this, this we're all graduate yeah. students, we're all in this together kind and of vibe. And everybody can talk about their own stuff. And... All I know, the only people I know, mathematicians. It doesn't hurt that they've physically located us away from everybody else either. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I mean that, that's that, that's a that's an our school problem and yeah, not a not school, school graduate general. problem necessarily. That, I mean, it is in some universities, but that's a that's a your mileage will vary. Issue. Yeah, it vary issue. Yeah, but um. Oh, and and I know a couple of English grad students, but that's because uh, uh our friend Nathan Rowe mm-hmm. uh used to have a English grad student as a roommate. Yeah. But yeah, that part that partly explains why I got so many degrees. It's not so much that um. You know, I felt that I actually needed all these degrees. It's just if you want to know something about a little bit about everything, you can't just get one degree. You know, you can't get one interdisciplinary major that allows you to know a little bit about yeah. this, a little bit. Why? About that. Why can't we have that? Well, they do like, have they do have liberal arts, but then you can't. No, no, but I mean, just not like at a graduate most, level. Most, most, yeah. Well, you don't have it at a graduate level, but most undergrad universities have some sort of interdisciplinary studies major. Yeah. yeah, like you can just take a bunch of classes from a bunch of things if you can convince a couple people from multiple departments to sponsor you. Yeah, why can't we have that at the graduate level? Yeah, that's That'd what I'm nice. wondering. Why create our own interdisciplinary yeah. programs? Or at, or... at least at the master's level, I can understand it at the PhD to a point because how the hell do you give someone a comprehensive exam? Uh, except True. whatever small area you're studying within all these other disperse areas, you can be tested on that. Mm. Right. Okay. Well, I'm saying, as far as the tests go, they're very restricted to what they can do. But as far as what they, rest- how they um, restrict your dissertation, you have a lot more variety okay. there. But before we get into dissertations, <laughs> let's actually start covering a little bit of this repeating classes and cross-listed class yeah. stuff. So, uh, which that, one of you said repeating classes? La- that explains my last two years, but he said it. Oh, I just... No, no, you were cross-listed. <laughs> Weren't you repeating classes? I have been repeating class for the last two years. <laughs> okay. And, and so it, explain a little bit about why you're literally repeating the same course. And this is the difference. Uh, with the other courses that you tend to take over and over again, you're always adding an extra layer of, in mathematics, you're adding an extra layer of abstraction. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, might, you may have taken two complex analysis courses, but one of them is not as abstract as the other or history like throughout school you're adding a little bit more yeah. onto the end of each one but no, when you go into I've, grad school you end up repeating the same courses over I've and taken, over again and why is that i've taken the exact same abstract algebra course three years in a, well not three years in a row but for a total of three years now out of the past 11 uh the reason is is i um so first of all, I transferred from my undergraduate degree to my master's program from Florida Atlantic University to Florida State University. And the first thing they always do is they assume you're an idiot, and they put you... We are. Well, we are, granted. <laughs> We're studying <laughs> mathematics voluntarily. Yeah. <laughs> okay, granted. Mm, but yeah. but they, they, the first thing they do... Well, w- one of the things they often do is to get an undergraduate degree in mathematics, they only require like one semester of algebra or one semester of analysis. And so after you gra- once you um, get your undergraduate degree, they, what they want to assume is they want to assume that you've taken the whole year of the undergraduate. And so you end up taking the first semester, but of course your first semester isn't good enough. So they make you take your first semester twice, and then you take another one. 
And then often what they'll do is then it gets a little bit more complex where you take another algebra course. Well, yeah, and then you cross from the 600 cross list course into the 700. 700. And then the 700 is actually different. Yeah. But after you get your, after I got my master's. Uh, Apparently, Steve, do you want to butt in? We're we're all about interruptions here. You're rolling your eyes. Oh, it depends on where you took your undergraduate at. Oh, okay. But I, I mean, no, I'm, I'm referring to if right. you're in the same school. If you're in a graduate program, you take the 600 level in that school okay. and then 700 at the same school. Okay. Then they're probably different. Yeah, hopefully. Hmm. But anyway, then I got my master's at Florida State University after passing my doctoral qualifiers, which I've passed twice now. <laughs> um, I came to Florida. Wait a minute. Where am I? University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And, of course, the first thing I had to do was retake the 700-level classes because they didn't have anything else to offer me, and I have to take at least 30 credits. And so I did that not only for and algebra, for analysis. And you also need to take the qualifiers again. And I had to take the qualifiers again, which is, like, the most stressful thing ever. Cause okay, so Steve and I have not had to take those, <laughs> nor will we. No. So no, what not. the... Well, I, not right now, because he's Like 20 in the years down the program. road. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, I mean... I, now, qualifying exams, the comprehensive and the whatever, depends on the school you're in. They have yeah. slightly different names. Sometimes you have a breadth and a depth exam. And, yeah. Uh, so, now, this this is something that only exists for PhD students. You can usually get a master's uh, by taking an exam in the end instead of writing a thesis. But that is not suggested by us here at Combinations and Permutations. We generally suggest write your stupid thesis. Uh, it's better. It, it gives you more... I. Well, it gives you a publication, and, and it gives and you better-looking CV, as well as being slightly more creative. As in as far as uh, and, Okay, so. and so as being as the person who's not only passed their quals, but passed twice. them twice, what the hell are they? That's horrible. All right, so um, after, the, after the required coursework, which is the base coursework required for a PhD, they require you to take what's called the comprehensive exams, and it's usually after the second year. Uh, and after that, what they, the, you have these, it, it varies. It used to be five tests on one semester, and now it's two tests, each one year long. And what you're required to do is you're required... Okay, you just said the test was one year long. Sorry, the courses were one year <laughs> long. The courses which the tests were based on were one year yeah, long. Yeah, a, a test on one year's worth of material. There you go. Okay. That's why I make the big bucks. That's why you make the big bucks. More, more. You can say things more clearly. So, um, what you have to do, you have to pass this test before you're allowed to do what's considered the major part of the PhD, which is the dissertation. The coursework really is supposed to be nothing. It's supposed to be all about the dissertation. Uh, Most universities, except for a few like UC San Diego, you're only allowed to take it twice, and if you fail the exam twice, they kick you out of the university. Usually give you a master's degree for your trouble. And they usually give you a master's degree. I have... Well, no. What you have to take, you have to pass the exam at the master's level. Okay. If you completely fail, you don't get anything. I mean, they're not going to give master's degrees to idiots. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> a lot of the times, if you, I mean, if, if you don't do well enough to get your PhD, they'll still... They'll put you into the master's program, and you still have to do well enough to finish the A lot the of times program. they will... I mean, I, I've heard plenty of stories from people who are just kind of like, okay, leave... 
You're not good oh. enough for the PhD, but here's a master's degree since you were here for like three years. Okay. It's rarely <laughs> written in the catalog, but I guess it happens. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's not. <laughs> I mean, this is just kind of a this below, like under the table thing. Okay. One of my brothers, one of my brothers, when he was doing his dissertation, I mean his PhD, mm-hmm. they, as far as the qualifying, they doubled as what well, he was similar to what he was saying, as a master's grad i mean the end of a master's well yeah no but i'm so if you didn't pass it with a phd level qualification you you had different level you could pass it with a master's level which would then give you the master's degree but you wouldn't be allowed into the doctorate and that's actually how i got my master's degree was i passed i was actually in the phd program straight from undergrad and i passed my doctoral prelims and so they gave me the masters and then i just got tired of doing math all the time Okay, and and so I mean these comprehensive things, these these exams are ridiculous. Well, I, they take they take a year's worth of material, mm-hmm. condense it into what like four questions. Well, between four and six. Yeah, so between four and six hard questions. Usually, yeah, usually it's not. If you've memorized everything in the book, you don't necessarily know enough. You actually have to know how to use the material and have to be able to think on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, that's it. And usually, yeah, like we said, you only have two attempts. After which, they usually have a uh, comprehensive, which you have to pass, which you have to defend before your committee, which is usually a group of mathematicians, what you're going to be doing for your dissertation so that. Okay, they can so, say, we're, so we're into this now? We managed to just segue right into something else without me without me doing it. That's, what the fuck? That's the comprehensives. That's part of the. It's part of the getting in things going with your. That, PhD. That's part of the test. Mm. But anyway. What the hell's yours about? Yeah, I haven't done that part. Yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I have an idea of what it should be about, but I haven't uh, passed the test yet. Okay, so I mean, as long as we fit on, let's actually talk a little bit about the thesis and the dissertation. Okay. Okay, so, Steve. Steve. What's a thesis? Oh, <laughs> Two people who are almost finished with their thesis and do not know. Oh, it depends on which we're field. Both, so. We're both doing you slightly do. different theses than are typically done for a master's okay. Yeah, because, well, typically I always figure the thesis was you take a topic, I mean, a specific subtopic within your topic, such as, say, you're, if you're, do, you're doing cryptography or something in number theory, and you research the area. And I suppose sometimes it has some original work involved in it. But, but it's, it's not required. Right. In the, in the master's thesis, you are not required to do original work. Many times it's more of a survey paper. Yeah, it's sort of like these are the things that are going on. These are the interesting things that people are working on right now. These are important results from recent time. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that's about it. It's Steve and I are both oddballs because our pa- papers are both publishable. Probably by the time we it. finish it. Well, mine already has one published paper from it. Right. It's very soon going to have a second published paper, uh, and mine has very little material that was done previous to me starting to do work on it. And mine, once I do finish it, it will be published. Yeah. Mm. And, and that's that's a major difference between a well, other than just length, because master's theses do not and have to be as long as a dissertation. But ma- dissertations, PhD dissertations, are required to contain primarily original work. 
Yep, and there has to be a certain amount of depth into it, and it has to have a certain amount of use to it. It can't just be in an esoteric, non-useful, or at least you have to defend that it's useful. Yeah, well, you just have to defend that it's useful in your topic. You don't have, you, yeah, when you, you say you useful, people think, oh, you mean like real world? No, like, no, you, no, you, no, don't, you don't actually no. have to be able to use it. You just have to be able to convince somebody that you're not inventing something that isn't relevant to anything anybody's doing. It, it's not the empty set proof. Yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, the obviously apocryphal story of the guy who uh, assumes that there is a set that has certain properties and then proves all sorts of really amazing things about that set. And, it turns and out then it at the end, exist. he proves that it's the empty set, set. which <laughs> essentially any uh, property of sets that you want, except for there exists an element in this set, set. is it, it's entirely possible. I mean, because mm. you can say for every element in this set, there exists an element in this set such that this is true because there are no elements in the, in the set, set and therefore it's vacuously true. Every element in the set, it's a 10 foot tall green giant. That is also true. <laughs> all unicorns are pink. No, but that's all. Yeah. Not for all in the set. Well, no, no, but I'm <laughs> just saying it's another, I mean, it's another universal quantifier statement. All unicorns are pink, which is a perfectly true statement since there are no unicorns. Ah, uh, there we go. <laughs> so same kind of thing. Like of all the things in the set of unicorns, they're yeah, all okay. pink. I missed that part. Yeah. Well, it's it's an imp- implication. Well, see, I I, I forgot the uni- unicorns didn't really exist. I forgot that part. I'm not talking about narwhals. Sea unicorns. <laughs> sea unicorns. Yeah, there could be a sea unicorn. No, nar- sea narwhals unicorn. are a real thing. <laughs> like yeah. narwhals actually exist. Horns on yeah, they're heads. whales with horns. Oh yeah, one horn. There could be like yeah. Unicorn seahorses. Unicorn sea. Ah, <laughs> oh, see, this is even better. We 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 hadn't gone down this route yet. They have little uh, sea people. Ah, they might. Little, I, little fishy green sea people riding on them. Don't you remember the little picture on the sea monkeys? The little people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the sea monkey, the one with the crown, <laughs> yeah. sitting oh. on a throne. <laughs> He was the king of, of the not living dried drive. things. <laughs> the brine shrimp. Brine shrimp. <laughs> Which we have to admit, nine tenths of the time did not rehydrate mm. to nah. a living state. That is true. Mm. Generally, you just had floating stuff, and then you tossed a goldfish in there to eat it. <laughs> okay, so maybe okay. I was a little mm. bit meaner than most people. Yeah, I didn't. Th- I didn't do the goldfish thing. No, I just. Well, we had, a fi- we had a 50-gallon uh, saltwater tank uh, oh. in my house when I was growing up. And so I was, we actually we had a, a, a lionfish in there, the poisonous mm. ones. Oh. Uh, and a couple of puffers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a bunch of corvies. It was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So I, I, had, a, I had a large choice of things that I could uh, use to eat Deep. my dead brine <laughs> shrimp. shrimp. Okay, so we were talking anyway. about something. Theses. Oh, these we were dissertation. On dissertation, how it had to be original work, how it had to be comprehensive, and we were arguing whether or not it should be useful. <laughs> so usually well, a you, lot of people have it in there, but it's like it's very difficult to say when and when something is useful and when it's not. But it's like uh, I think what they're trying to prevent is people from inventing their own mathematical structures proving that the, these mathematical structures have all these properties, but 
somehow not being anywhere near useful or anywhere near interesting or because I mean it's always possible. And then again, that was just inhibited math years ago if they started preventing stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you can't take it too far, because obviously you want people to invent new stuff. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, if you can prove that your invented structure is useful... Yeah, then you're good. Yeah. I mean, that's, that seems like a perfectly legitimate thing to do. Yeah, yeah. like forcing. Forcing was an invented form of uh. mathematics. <laughs> it, it proved useful stuff, and so he got away with it. Plus, he got a Fields Medal and whatnot. And made <laughs> everyone else's life more boring. More exciting. More, yeah, I like exciting. <laughs> okay, uh, so we've covered thesis dissertation a little bit about the class structure, a little bit about what I hate about it. How okay. long it takes. Yes. <laughs> Dear God, like, oh. master's degrees, you're told a master's degree takes two years. It should take one year, but it doesn't. Well, it how? It doesn't even take two years. Yeah, I mean, it's, no, <laughs> it's master's degrees are more. supposed to take one to two, two years. years. I mean, it, you can't do it in one year unless you've done graduate coursework before you get in. You need 30 credits. A summer. Summer. Well, oh yeah, you need if your university actually offers summer graduate courses, it's, it's summer seven hundred level graduate courses. Hmm. Good luck getting any of those professors to stick around during the summer. Yeah, what do you? How many credits do you cover actually need? Five you need like eighteen hundred or uh, eighteen seven hundred level courses, though, right? And the rest of them can be six and four hundred. I I thought it was twenty one six hundred. Is that how it is? No. Or it, it's, it's eighteen seven hundred. Eighteen seven hundred. Okay. And then the yeah, last so nine for the summer. Or, you can yeah, take last the last nine is. Well, you need at least a total of twenty six course hours, twenty seven course work 30. hours. Plus your last three thesis. could be your thesis. Oh, you're but okay. So now we're now we're debating our UNLV catalog. I want to point out. I, I so it, in well, other grad schools it's, it's three. Be different. Normally it's three to six for thesis anyway. Right. Yeah. No. But I mean, it's it. I know that you can use here six thesis. Six if you're not planning on doing a thesis, then you need a total of I think at least eighteen seven hundred or above. Oh, okay. And but the, the point last, is, they don't all have to, to make up the last. Yeah. Yeah. They don't all to have to be seven hundred, but. Unless, unless they offer at least one 700-level course during the summer. Mm. It's, it's going to take you longer than a year to get 30 credits at the graduate level. It took me a year and a half when I was an undergrad. Well, I guess if you take the total uh, amount yeah, of the yeah, undergrad, When you're an undergrad, but we're taking... Yeah. Oh, meaning... <laughs> 18, 20... So it would take you two years. Yeah. You'd have to take nine a semester. Well, nine, 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 six, nine, six. Nine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Nine, nine, six, six, which is... I've done nine 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 six so far. I'm mm. a little bit over credited, uh, but they're not all in mathematics. I, I I did get too bored with math, went into comp sign informatics here. Mm. Uh, but and and that's the thing. You can you can take courses in other programs, but they have to be courses that you qualify to take. So here's the physics, engineering, or computer science, and they also have to be relevant for your degree if you're under assistantship. I took a lot of physics. Yeah, which is fine. It's I mean, it's directly relevant to yeah. to your degree. Uh, so I mean, but it but does take a while. I'm is, into how my long third. Does it take? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm into my third year. This should hopefully be my last year. And I'm in here because of uh, the. Here's another question: the layout of course scheduling. You you have to take certain courses, and they're not always they're offered. Not, yeah, they're offered yeah. like every other year. Yeah. And so it, and it just makes it. And if you and if, you, and if there's time, specific courses you want to take that are slightly more esoteric. 
once every four years. Like yeah. you want to you want to take a specific course when you're doing a master's. Plan on being around for four years. So here's a question: How long does it take to get an MD after undergraduate? An uh, MD, medical doctor. Doctorate. I. Uh, are we including like residency and stuff? Not how long it takes to get licensed. Okay, just not the, become a doctor, but to just, just get the, an MD. Yeah, just to get the MD. Maybe four years. Three to four years, as long as it takes to get a master's in math. That's just depressing. <laughs> yeah, that is. That's. But I mean, there are people who do finish their masters faster than that, uh, and there are people yeah. who get their PhD in that level of time too. Uh, it's. It actually wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people are able to get their PhD in about the same amount of time it takes them to get their masters. Well, yeah, because for the PH, well, here it's a little bit different, but there are some programs where there's the same amount of coursework for the masters and the PhD. Yeah, and the only difference is a dissertation yeah so yep, i mean it's the a two. dissertation that adds on a lot of time yeah to your degree like, i mean and you can finish that fast or it can take you seven years yeah but I mean, yeah there's definitely <laughs> i mean there's definitely people here who have been working in the program for a really long time mm-hmm. i've been thinking I've, I've been in yeah i know just <laughs> counting grad school i've been in grad school for what, what was it i think it was 11 years i counted this morning Oh my god. <laughs> exactly. Maybe it was only eight and a half and eleven was with the undergraduate. Because I was only an undergrad for two and a half. Oh. Oh. Oh great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so out of the eleven I was an undergrad for four, like a normal person. Oh. Well, <laughs> eight and a half years of grad school. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's insane. That's insane. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now now I want to talk about two last things. The first of all is burnout. Okay. Burnout is an issue. If you are looking at the same thing over and over and over again, you're just going to get tired of it. Well, I've I've looked at PhD programs across um, across departments across the nation. They've done surveys, and they say um, one of the things about of all the people who get PhDs, they rarely, at least fifty percent of them, don't get it from the first program. They always have to do it twice. And the reason hope for me. Three, and people, of those people, most of the time, they don't get kicked out of the program. They leave the program simply because it takes so friggin' long, and they <laughs> yeah, get burned Yeah, this is directly out. related to the time <laughs> issue. Yeah. But for me, it's also directly, I mean, it's the whole thing, like all of it. I've gotten a little bit better because I've, I have this England thing coming up. I have some interesting things that I'm doing right now. But the beginning of this semester, I almost walked out. Mm. I, I almost walked to the airport. Hopped on a plane. Just just, I was just going to pop up on my father's doorstep and be like, I'm done. Well, that, that was the, I, the re, one of the major reasons I bought a house here. This was only one of the top two. One was they're really cheap. The other one Foreclosure was, capital of the United, United States. Yeah. Which is bad unless you're buying a house. Not only that. <laughs> Unemployment capital too, so there's no competition. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I got, oddly enough, as graduate students <laughs> on our shitty stipends, we're still some of the best paid people in the city. Yeah. <laughs> I, anyway, I got a house for That's half of what it cost to build the thing. But uh, anyway, one of the reasons I bought the house was I'd be financially obligated to stay in the city. <laughs> <laughs> So I can't leave the program even if I wanted to. Yeah, I was, I was at the same time you bought a house. I was looking to maybe purchase one too because there's a loft that I really like that was yeah, super that. cheap. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, I'm only doing my master's and I'm pretty sure once I'm done with this, I'm not going to want to be here anymore. Yeah. And I do not want to be financially locked into a place. Same here. 
Now the the other thing I, I want to talk about is it's another thing to do with fish finishing the program, and this is advisors. Oh, anybody? Some are some are good, some are terrible. And if you don't have an advisor that is pushing you to work, that is, uh, well, one you could get advisor that's pushing you to work on exactly what he's doing. This is also what's known as the physics advisor. Mm. Uh, you essentially become their gopher for their work. And you'll probably get a degree. For taking you. Yeah, you'll probably get your degree, and you'll probably get it quickly. Mm-hmm. You'll get it more quickly than otherwise, but your burnout rate will probably be very high. True. And then there is the wonderful advisor who pushes you to do your work, who your reads work. through your work right away, helps you come up with ideas for your work, mm-hmm. uh, and will research areas that you're interested in to better help you with things that you want to know about, but he doesn't. This is known as the Steven Strogatz advisor mm. through the work that he did helping Duncan Watts when Watts decided he wanted to do network theory, even though Strogatz knew nothing about it. Mm. Uh, you can hear a little bit more about the story if you travel back over to Strongly Connected Components on AcmeScience.com and you listen to the Steve Strogatz interview. Uh, and then there is the never in his office, doesn't yeah, you push you to ignored. do anything, good luck even getting advice on who to have on your committee. Just to do the paperwork. Yeah, just any help getting the paperwork <laughs> done. done. Shitty, shit, shit advisor. Mm. Who is, we will call, 99% of the math advisors in the world. Yeah, and anybody will tell you, what's more important than the uh, place at which you get your degree is the advisor from which you learned it from. Yep. That, that tends to be one of the most important things about grad school. You know, if, you, if there is this small, out-of-the-way... Nobody knows about university, but they have like the best mathematician there. That's where you go. But if at Princeton, you're just going to get ignored unless you really need the Princeton name. You don't want to be ignored. It's all about who you work with and who you know. Mm. Yeah, and there's a lot of ignoring. Yeah. Holy crap, is there a lot of ignoring. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, now now things I, I feel now that we're getting towards the end of the episode here. I feel that we should probably talk about the things that we have enjoyed about grad school. Is, I, I'm willing to start if no one else can think well, of anything. Just collaborating I'll, I'll, with your I'll, I'll fellow graduate students. So, I mean, just being around other people like you? That's yeah, been one of my similar, least favorite yeah, that's things. No, well, with similar interests. You can find interests outside of the department through that. Okay. Okay. But I mean, is there anything? I mean, we, we still have time to talk here. Is there anything I, else that you enjoyed? Well, okay. So I was in seminary because I am seminary boy. Terrible. And I did a lot of theology. And th- there's a lot of. I, I was more into the philosophy than the theology aspect of it. But that's even worse in this respect. One of the things about mathematics that I like is you can find a solution. Once you find a solution to a particular problem, you know it's right or you know it's wrong. Whereas in a lot of the other areas I was in, particularly theology or philosophy, you can think about it. You can guess that you might have thought about it right, but you have no idea whether you're right or wrong. And, you know, I just, I, I missed the logic puzzles and the ability to know whether I was right or wrong. If you get into the, more of the meta-mathematics, you still run into that problem. You still run into <laughs> a lot of philosophy. Okay, yes, I, I realize that's something that you enjoy about being back in math grad school versus religion grad school. I liked religion grad school too, but for different uh, reasons. But what what is it about graduate school that keeps you coming back after eight and a half years? Oh, well, I like to learn new things. That's that's the obvious. 
Uh, uh, hey, how about how about the fact that the teachers grade a lot easier? Oh, that's definitely yeah, true. Do. Holy a crap! Do lot. they grade a lot easier? You have to you get the really, gentleman's B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to really, really suck it up. Like, not show up, not do any homework, and never write your name on an exam Damn. to not get a B. B. And that's, but that's only in 700. If you're in a 600 level course, expect being graded harder than the undergrads. Oh, that yeah. are in the Actually, same course. I think the 400 and 600 level courses are harder than the 700. Oh, level they totally courses. are because you, there is reason. not the gentleman's B. Yeah. No. You actually have to. Do the you have to yeah. do the work. You really have to, and they and they expect it of you, like yeah. you really expect it. But in general, the the class, like the concepts and everything, might be harder. There might be more homework, or at least harder homework. But the grading, oh man, the grading is fantastic. Yeah. I, I was taking a probability theory course. I could not have gotten more than twenty percent on that final, and mm. I got a B plus. Nice. Oh, there you go. Yeah. One of the other things I like about it is the pace of life is a lot slower yeah, than outside gets, of grad school. Get, I mean, being a professor might be even better. Yeah, see, <laughs> see, that's the thing. It, one thing I don't like, but I mean, this is something I don't like about school. I'm really tired of bringing my work home with me. Yeah, Homework you sucks. Do, you don't have yes. a nine to five. Yeah, and it's, it's not just a nine to five. It's just, you know, when an, an exam comes up. Mm-hmm. Or when I have to spend my weekend doing the homework. It's just like, you know, I kind of just want to work in a cubicle and go in there. And when you come out, And when I leave, done. I don't think about work. Yeah, that's you don't That'd get be that nice. with mathematics. Yeah. Well, you don't get that with any schooling whatsoever. As I said, that's more of a yeah. schooling problem than a grad school problem. Yeah. Uh, but one other thing that I, that I really like... Which you do get to do it on your own time. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's actually a bit of an issue. Uh, well, procrastination like, is an issue. Okay. Uh, but if you don't like mornings or something, which I don't. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I, the last thing I want to talk about with, that I really like is the ability to go to conferences and to get funding to travel from time to time. Mm. Uh, I think that I avail myself of that a bit more than the two of you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, considering that I have traveled to a conference every single year, sometimes multiple conferences in a year since I started graduate school. Uh, I, t- I don't like traveling. I like moving. <laughs> every couple of years, I just move somewhere else. I, I, I don't <laughs> like living in the same place for a while, but I also really like traveling to different places, going to conferences, talking to people. Mm. And, it, and there's also a certain legitimacy about being able to say you're a graduate student. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, both in culture and also when you're trying to say get an interview with a well-known mathematician, or at least until you're a certain age. I think I'm over the age where being a student's allowed. <laughs> not not graduate school. No, I've gotten. Uh, but but when, you're when too I'm... you're too young to be the person going back to undergrad. Yeah, but no, I, I've gotten the uh, what you're still in school. <laughs> Look a couple times. It does tend to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if any of you still want to go to grad school after this, uh, make sure to send an email to Samuel at AcmeScience.com and ask for my advice. I do actually have some bits of advice. We didn't really get to any advice. We were mostly just complaining about our problems with graduate school, but we're grad students. That's what we do is we complain. So for Anthony Solari, Stephen Fisher, I am your intrepid host, Samuel Hansen, wishing you a matherific week. Bye, guys. 
And that is all that she wrote for another episode of Combinations and Permutations. For more information about combinations and permutations, as well as links to Strongly Connected Components, the more serious sister podcast, where I interview mathematicians, head on over to acmescience.com. If you want to leave me some feedback, shoot me an email, samuel at acmescience.com. That's my personal email address. Even my sister emails me there. Once again, I want to reiterate that we are looking for iTunes reviews. And if you mention your favorite combinations and permutations guest, I'll make sure that they read out your name on the podcast. So the music on today's episode is from SP12. You can find them over at opsound.org. Same band that we always use for the intro music and the outro music. So I guess you probably know that by now. Also, this is a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike License podcast. So say you want to make a dance remix of Anthony saying that pigs are really that bad, do it. Just make sure you mention that you got it here at Combinations and Permutations. So thank you very much for listening, and I hope you keep tuned in to this podcast feed, because we got some great stuff coming for you.